Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to Screen Heroes on the Heroes Podcast Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Screen Heroes, your TV and film podcast here on the Heroes Podcast Network. I am your regular host, Derek, and I have with me my two lovely longtime co-hosts, Ryan. Hello. And Ray. Hey. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back. Welcome back as we enter our next year of podcasting last year was our five-year anniversary and now season six this is well i mean yeah we've had multiple seasons because i did a season break after like when we would take a week off or something so this is season 10 volume 10 it's kind of like family guy or survivor we do two a year (laughs) so yeah here we are in our sixth year and our 10th season or whatever and mary cagemas to all of you That's out right. there ho, ho, ho. with me and out there. Our Lord and Savior, Nicholas Cage, is our focus <laughs> this month. It, the it one is, true God above all. It is true. We are doing three Nicholas Cage episodes back to back. This week is 1997's Con Air. Next week will be Ghost Rider, which is a little more in our wheelhouse. And then we are going back to 1997 for Face Off. And you may be asking yourself, why not do our Christmas episode, Nicolas Cage? Well, that was our plan until Wonder Woman 1984 ruined that plan. So thank you very much, (laughs) Warner Brothers, for fucking with my entire month of Cage movies. I don't feel too bad about it. I do. I'm sorry. You couldn't have pushed it one week? Come on, for us? (laughs) So... That's our main topic. At the end of the show, we'll be talking about The Mandalorian, Chapter 14, The Tragedy, in our new format that we launched a few weeks ago. But we kick things off, as always, with some news. And this week, we've got two main topics we're going to cover. One is Warner Brothers and the HBO Max debacle, so to speak, and Spider-Man 3 casting. And not that Spider-Man 3, the new Spider-Man 3. So there you go. Let's kick things off with the Warner Brothers stuff. So as Ryan said... They announced that Wonder Woman 1984 would be dual releasing in theaters and on HBO Max on Christmas Day. This was exciting for a lot of people. This was frustrating for some people as well. And then to shock the entertainment world, Warner Brothers announced that all of their 2021 films, all of them, would be releasing in theaters and HBO Max on the exact 
same day. Now, some of these movies include uh, Godzilla versus Kong, the new Mortal Kombat movie, the new Space Jam, Suicide Squad, Dune, Matrix 4, uh, many, many others. There's another Conjuring movie that's in the works. There's the Tom and Jerry live action-ish film just a bunch of films we're talking well over a dozen different films from warner brothers that will be dual releasing and this has caused a firestorm from some directors from some studios and some fans as well so guys what do you think good decision bad decision what, what do you think well, the decision works out in my favor, so I am prone to saying it was a good one. Now, honestly, it comes down to business, and if this doesn't help them out financially, then they're going to say, no, it was a failure. And directors like Patty Jenkins and Christopher Nolan and James Gunn are going to be... Uh, even more upset and probably a little I told you so but if it turns out that this gets a ton of HBO Max uh, subscribers and people are still seeing them in theaters just you know at a reduced amount then everybody's good you know they're gonna say well I guess this is the future of cinema and I hope it is <laughs> like there's a lot of stuff that this pandemic has pointed out to us. And I think the way we consume media is largely at home. So why not consume as much of it as possible at home? Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's a decision that's been pretty divisive among like the people that are set to make money from studios or streaming services but uh for fans i don't haven't seen a lot of controversy except from people that are pretty hardcore like theater people that just like really love the theater experience and think there's no way that it can match for anybody um but i mean it, hbo max as a streaming service is not very successful at this point uh compared to you know netflix H hulu or uh, like disney plus partially because they're they've had this like falling out with roku where they've been unable to work with each other and come to a you know meeting point that works for both of them and that's a large amount of people use roku mm -hmm. um so you know that's really hurt them in terms of their subscribership but i think with this roku pretty much has to play ball with them or they're gonna have a lot of upset people and people that aren't using roku anymore um but, you know, I think this will pump up the, the, sub, the subscription numbers. Um, will it do it as much as they hope it will? I mean, that's hard to say at this point. But, you know, it'll be interesting to see. And like, yeah, like you said, Rachel, I'm a fan. <laughs> I'd rather, you know, I, I like the theater experience sometimes. But there's, in the last few years, doing a lot of movies with you guys, I've been more disappointed going to theaters than I've enjoyed it because, you know, you get the guy next to you with a smart watch. Every time he moves his wrist, his watch is like a flashlight in your eyes or like they're on their phone or they're talking or popcorn hits you in the back of the head or, you know, kids <laughs> screaming, you know, there's, there's a lot of things. People are just generally kind of shitty and don't care about anybody other than themselves. So the theater experience is not as pure for me as it is for a lot of other people. And, uh, you know, even Alamo at this point has had some issues with, you know, 
with their viewing experiences. So there's really no safe place to go and have and know you're going to have a good movie watching oh, experience. Yeah. Except Man. at home, I can right? right. Like I can pause it and go take a piss or get some food or whatever and not miss anything. So. Yeah, I mean, even when we saw it, we saw Endgame. Uh, one of the times we saw it was at Alamo, and a chunk of the movie was interrupted for me because the two people next to us didn't actually have tickets and argued with management in the middle of the movie because they refused to leave their seats. Yeah. Oh, no, that wasn't it. They brought food. Oh, they brought outside food? Yeah, they brought outside food. Their server told them that they served that same food, and... Uh, they wouldn't put it up or throw it away. So management had to come and talk and it like they argued with him and it was disruptive. So, right. But even like with their cell phone policies, if somebody gets on their phone, it still requires a manager or somebody to come in and tell them to shut their phone off, which is disruptive to your movie going experience. So like Alamo tries to have all these rules, but even just enforcing those rules will ruin the movie going experience for other people. So yeah, and every, literally every time at AMC, it's a problem. Somebody is on their phone at some point during the movie at an AMC theater. And I have gotten yep. into confrontations with people multiple times over it because it's just incredibly frustrating. They get really pompous about it. And, you know, I, so I'm, I'm with you. I definitely prefer watching stuff at home. And, you know, maybe I, I would make the jump to 4K if that was going to be a regular thing. You know, well, and, we'll be for a year, so you know, well, that's, that's true. Uh, so you might, it might be worth the know. upgrade. So it just well, so to be fair, Warner Brothers kind of left a little asterisk on the whole deal and basically stepped back and said, "Well, if things change dramatically, we'll adjust as the environment dictates." That's a paraphrase. So just uh, if. Let's say, you know, we, we all get this vaccine in February and March or whatever, you know, if it's this crazy, great opportunity and the pandemic is behind us by July or August, we may not see the fall films do this. They did, right. they did kind of leave that that door open. And the big I can't issue, really blame them. I mean, of course, yeah. they're going to do that. Right. Well, and the big issue here has the way the studios and some of the directors and actors work is, you know, they get a cut of the box office take. So Legendary, which is responsible for two of these films, uh, Kong, Godzilla versus Kong and Dune, they basically, from their perspective, are saying they weren't consulted in this conversation at all. And they get a percentage of the box office haul. Uh, a lot of actors like Gal Gadot and directors like Patty Jenkins for Wonder Woman 1984 get a percentage of the box office take and if there is no box office take or that box office take is cannibalized by the movie dual releasing on a streaming service it starts to beg the question of how are those contracts going to be reworked or worked in the future right because a lot of the ways studios get around even more intense budgets are those back-end deals it's true but i mean on the on the other side of that token you know, the companies that are financing these movies and everything that's put, you know, $250 million for a superhero movie are just sitting on that money that's been spent and they can't do anything with it. And yep. so, you know, Patty Jenkins might get screwed out of some money, but also the studio is getting screwed out, screwed out of some money. And, you know, they, if there's no studios, then there's no jobs for actors other than indie films. And people don't traditionally, you know, go see a lot of indie films. So, yeah. I, now, I mean, it's it's bad on both sides. 
I will say Gal Gadot and Patty Jenkins have nothing to worry about because apparently the two of them worked out a special deal where they're each going to get an extra $10 million. That's not bad. That's enough Uh, to help me sleep at night. So they're like that scene in Zombieland where uh, Woody Harrelson (laughs) is like crying, but he's like like wiping his tears with hundred dollar bills. Yeah. So they're, they're going to be okay. You know, but some of these smaller productions that legendary is responsible for, you know, there's some, some bigger questions there. Right. And then you have somebody like Christopher Nolan, who's basically been Warner Brothers sweetheart director for over a decade coming out and not only being firmly against this plan, but straight up saying that they have the worst streaming service. That's a quote. He said, quote, uh, I'm just going to read this real quick. Quote, some of our industry's biggest filmmakers and most important movie stars went to bed the night before thinking they were working for the greatest movie, greatest movie studio and woke up to find out they were working for the worst streaming service. Now, I, I get like, you know, grammatically what he's going for there, but I feel like it's a little extreme to call it the worst streaming service. There's some rough ones out there. It's certainly not the best, but he's not helping himself any. Well, I mean, as we talked about in our chat, he's kind of the one that you know put the nail in the coffin with this he had to push and push to tell you know the tenant has to be seen in theaters it has to be seen in theaters and then nobody went and saw it in theaters like i mean some people did but not enough to make any money and uh so the studio ended up you know losing a good chunk of money on that and so that probably was the final nail in the coffin for for warner brothers and you know, so he really ha- at this point has himself to blame. He took a gamble and the gamble did not pay off. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good point. And Twitter hasn't held back in, in reminding everybody of that because he continuously pushed for that movie to come out. It was delayed three separate times in short stints and came out to basically a nothing box office. There, there wasn't a, the, all the theaters weren't open yet. There wasn't anything else really out. Uh, you know, Bill and Ted did a simultaneous release to vod you know that's how we watched it so i put a lot of this on christopher nolan too you, if you're going to spend 200 million dollars to make a movie which is what tenant supposedly cost to make you can't just say well you know we're cool with what we took home if it's significantly less than that exactly i'm surprised it hasn't hit hbo max yet <laughs> <laughs> uh there may be some other vod licensing deal to work sure out there because one of the small notes that i think a lot of people are missing is that these movies will be on hbo max for the first month and then they go to vod for a while see i'm not sure that people are missing that i just think they're like me and they don't really give a crap because in 30 days if you can watch the movie as many times as you want then you're probably going to be sick of it for a while, you know, and not want to watch it again, unless it's just an absolutely stellar film. And, you know, these movies don't have a lot of overlap with the other movies. So really you'll have, you know, the Suicide Squad out for however many weeks, you know, by itself. And you can watch it as many times as you want in 30 days. Not to mention the fact that the, the pirates of the internet will have those things up for anybody that wants them immediately after they're released. So not that we encourage that or condone that here at the Heroes Podcast Network, but you know, there's a lot of people that do partake in those uh, illegal pirating activities, and they can keep it for free for however long they want. Yeah, I more meant people who are like, "Well, we'll get to it," thinking it's just going to be there. Sure, but I don't. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, 30 days is a pretty long time. I feel like I'm not complaining. I just, yeah. you know, it's more of just something to be aware of.
Is there anything else on this topic we would like to discuss before moving on? I was just going to say it works out in our favor as a podcast as well as viewers because uh, we can rewatch the movie over and over again and get uh, different viewpoints or find stuff that we missed, which is much more difficult when you have to go to the theater. For sure. And also we can ask our viewers to watch it so they can come discuss it with us. And we don't really feel like we're asking them to spend a ton of money, mm-hmm. you know, or anything like that. They probably, a lot of them probably already have HBO max. So. And HBO, a month of HBO max is less than the price of one Dolby ticket here in Kansas city. Yep. So there you so go. You're saving money. All right. So let's talk Spider-Man, Spider-Man three specifically. So who wants to do this one? I've been talking a lot. Okay, so first of all, I feel like it's going to be called Spider-Man Into the Home. <laughs> Into the Homeverse. Into the Homeverse. Um, okay, so there's there's a ton of people that are coming back from the Sony movies. There's J.B. Fox's Electro. There's both Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire as past and uh, present ghosts of Spider-Man. And uh, then there's both the leading ladies, Emma Stone and Kirsten Dunst as Mary Jane and Gwen Stacy. So here's my prediction. Siren Ray 2021 uh, Spider-Man Into the Home is has already cast Miles Morales behind our back and they're saving that. And Donald Glover will be back as Prowler. And and surprise Nicolas Cage cameo as Spider-Man Noir. Mary Cage missed us. <laughs> you just stole my thing. That's all I that was. Uh, I'm sorry, but we're married. We have communal things. I'm going to go on the record and say, I think that Rachel is wrong about all of those predictions, except the Nick Cage one. But (laughs) I, I think that (laughs) my prediction is that Willem Dafoe is definitely going to come back also. God, I hope so. And that they're just basically doing what we've talked about. They're just trying to set up the Sinister Six and that's what the movie is going to be about. I think if you introduce Miles Morales and Prowler and stuff like that, it's going to be a whole different movie. It's going to be way too close to the animated and the Spider-Verse movie. Um, this is already going to be close enough, but that would take it to like live action remake level practically. I think this is secretly a backdoor pilot for new Spider-Man Noir. Do you think that uh, Wilson Fisk is coming? Oh man, no, I think it's too much. I think that they're already going to be cramming this thing with villains. There's no way that they're going to. I mean, it would be. I would love it. Don't get me wrong. I want that to happen, but I don't think it will. Part of me it's... expects a lot of this to be like Crisis on Infinite Earths, though, where like some of these people are going to be in like a scene. See, I don't think so. I think this is going to be the Sinister Six as the as the villains. So, I mean. And they're just taking the best ones. Yeah, they're taking ones that are already established. And then it's it's actually a pretty creative way to do it because we've already had these characters established in other movies in the past. So they don't have to make a new movie with these characters to get you to care about them or know what they are. They well, already the, have that. The funny thing is, out of all the characters they've confirmed, you know, only two of these, or no, I guess half, 
three of these people are still alive. You know, spoilers for movies over a decade old, but Electro and Doc Ock and Gwen Stacy are big old deadsies. I mean, so, Doc Ock, you don't really... Do you see the body? Well, he it's floats minutes, down in the water. Movie. I think we're supposed to believe that he de- he's dead. But I mean, you know, uh, Willem Dafoe, it's you know, Green, Green Goblin's dead. Yeah, but he's not announced yet. Well, no, but we were talking about how we yeah. thought that he would be. So yeah. I guess I just figure like with having Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man, and like just having like having three Spider-Men in the movie seems like a big task. So uh, part of me thinks like those other two universes are going to be a very short kind of thing. Maybe the Spider-Man parts. I, I don't think Toby or Andrew Garfield are necessarily going to be playing a big role, but I mean, it's been almost, it's been 20 years since Toby started as Spider-Man. He's going to be old man, Spider-Man. It's going to be like the Logan Spider-Man story. Now <laughs> I'll just be called Peter. Yeah. Nice. Which works. Nice. I like it. I'm good with it. Um, I don't know. I, I think that part of that this is them trying to do a live action version of Into the Spider-Verse because I don't think they ever anticipated that idea going over as well as it did because that movie's amazing. And so a lot of this seems like that's what they're trying to do. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think that they're going to like do Prowler and Kingpin and all those like they did in the Spider-Verse. Okay, so do you think they're going to connect uh, Morbius and Venom? It seems like a missed opportunity not to connect at least Venom. We haven't seen Morbius yet, so I'll hold off on that. But it seems like a mistake not to bring in Tom Hardy's Venom. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, that would be... Or they could just bring back Topher Grace. <laughs> Look, there's only Maybe. one thing that should be brought back from that movie. <laughs> it's Sandman. the dancing. Well, it's been fun. All right. Peace <laughs> out. I don't want to talk about this movie anyway. Oh, Why yes, you do. Oh, you mean, you mean Connor? You mean Connor? I thought you meant Spider-Man. <laughs> is, all right, is there anything else on Spider-Man before we move on? Uh, what's your favorite uh, Spider-Man villain from all these movies? Is Because we know Alfred Molina is a big one and he was in the best Spider-Man movie. Um, so is he your favorite or is like Michael Keaton your favorite as Vulture or like, uh, you know, where do you guys rank? Um, I think my, my favorite is probably Thomas Hayden Church's Sandman because he, his story was written so well and he would have been a great character in a good movie, but the fact that he stood out and gave such an amazing performance in a bad movie says a lot. That's true. So you prefer him to even Alfred Molina? I don't know. It's difficult because everything was like amazing in Spider-Man 2. Minus James Franco. (laughs) He was fine, yeah. it It wasn't horrible, but it certainly wasn't good either. What about you, Derek? My favorite is is Alfred's Doc Ock. That's that's my number one. Yeah. Um, Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin and Jake Gyllenhaal's Mysterio are my other two in the top three. Though. Wow, Michael one? Keaton is low for you. It's nothing like against him. I just I don't really I don't think Homecoming is that great of a movie. I think Far From Home is far superior, and I think that 
Jake, it's my favorite Jake Gyllenhaal role of, of his career that I, uh, that I've seen. And I haven't seen all of his stuff to be fair. And I've always been pretty hard on him, but his Mysterio is uh, comes out as one of my favorite characters in the whole MCU. So I, I really wish they had taken it in a slightly different direction so they could keep him around like all the time. But you mean like starting a multiverse where he can come back? Well, no, I, I'm well, first off, we don't know that he's really dead, but I more meant like actually have him be a good guy and be a mentor to Peter, I thought would have been a really cool reimagining of the character. And he was so good in that role. And he's, I mean, he's great as the villain too, but yeah. So those are my top three. The exact ranking varies a bit, but Doc Ock's always at the top. That's good to know. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I kind of feel the same way. Alfred Molina's like number one for me and Michael Keaton was great, but he was the best part of that movie, but that movie wasn't great. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's tough to put him in the likes of somebody that's the, one of the best superhero movies of all time. Spider-Man two holds up. It really does. It's still one of my favorites. Both Spider-Man twos are good. <laughs> uh, all three. You mean? Oh, you know, okay. I haven't seen amazing Spider-Man two. Fair enough. So there you go. All right. Anything else guys? New. Nope. All right. Then we are going to take a short break. And when we come back, we will be talking 1997's Con Air starring Nicolas Cage. We'll be right back. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, guys, we're back. Let's do this. Merry cage miss. Let's kick things Mary off. Merry cage miss. So, Ray, this was your first viewing of Connor. Sadly definitely not our last though <laughs> um she really hated it a lot more than i thought but uh we'll we'll get to that of course um ryan you've seen this movie obviously of course yeah okay ray did you know that it was nominated for two academy awards my fucking god <laughs> it didn't win it didn't win either of but yeah it was um nominated for best sound as well as best original song Oh, for how do I? Yeah, do I that makes love? sense. Yeah, yeah. Now it was nominated. Uh, Steve Buscemi was nominated as best supporting actor for a Saturn Award. So there you go. Blockbuster Entertainment gave gave Nicolas Cage. Oh wait, that was for Face Off. Never mind. I thought it, he got favorite act. He got favorite actor that year, but I think it was specifically for Face Off. It did win what's probably my favorite Razzie category which is worst reckless disregard for human life and public property, which I feel like Michael Bay must have won every time he's made a movie. Right. And also, also man of steel. 
it also got nominated for worst original song for how do i live so it got nominated for best music original song for from the oscars but for razzie it got nominated for worst original song for the same song um it was nominated as best songs written specifically for a motion picture or for television in the grammys which apparently was a category so it's a mouthful this movie is all over the place okay um 6.9 on imdb it boasts a like kind of a crazy cast so yeah, the cra- cast is insane like <laughs> great like if i saw a movie coming out this year that had this cast i would be so excited so it you've got beyond excited you've got nick cage of course he's the lead you've got john malkovich you've got john cusack you've got ving rames dave chappelle danny trejo cole meany you've got steve uh buscemi. steve buscemi it's really a massive cast. It's kind of striking how many people are in this movie. And it is basically all dudes. There are two women in the entire And they film. aren't worth anything. Like, um, they don't do anything worth anything, really, in the whole movie. I guess there's a third woman uh, who works for Cusack. Yeah, that doesn't like, have, does she even have any lines? I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah, so that part Ray, of the movie isn't great. What are your, what are your overall thoughts, Ray? Because I know that you're unhappy with it giant pass care to elaborate on this podcast where we speak where we talk about movies it's bad why is it bad Uh, come on man like did you see it were you watching (laughs) like everything's bad the dialogue is bad the character names are bad the uh the cgi fire in many spots it's very bad you don't like the names diamond dog no he doesn't like the like criminal names the the nicknames cyrus the virus right like that's gross gotcha gotcha okay sorry i i wasn't like you know because like Cole Meany's character is Duncan Malloy. It's fine, you know. Like I don't love it or hate it. So I was just curious what you meant. So why are they gonna give him a super Irish name but make him not use his Irish accent? <laughs> like what the fuck? Uh, he talks like not... he does in Star Trek. No, he doesn't. He uses his Irish accent in Star Trek. He maybe lays it on a little thicker, I guess. At times, it varies a bit. No, he used an American accent in Con Air, and he uses an Irish accent in Star Trek. I mean, I guess because he works for the DEA, they wanted to make him sound American. Then why not just have his name be, like, John Smith? They, like, straight up had him have, like, a very Irish name. I mean, to be honest, it sounds like we were being very nitpicky right now about (laughs) something about the movie. Like, you can say the dialogue is bad, that's fine. The dialogue is bad. That's fine. It's a movie that came out in 97, so CGI fire, not great. But CGI fire wasn't great in any movie in 1997. You know, dialogue is bad is really the only thing that I'm hearing from you that's uh, that's a real criticism that's not nitpicky. Personally, that's my interpretation. So the general premise of the movie is that Poe, played by Nick Cage, goes to prison for uh, manslaughter, basically in self-defense, he kills one of three people who jumped him and his wife. And he, when he gets out, he is on his way to go home on a prison transport that is hijacked by a bunch of lifers, which are led by John Malkovich and Ving Rhames. 
and they Nick Cage is trying to save the day from the air while John Cusack is on the ground and kind of has an antagonist in Colmini's character who's also trying to get the plane down but doesn't care if everybody dies is that a pretty good summary yeah Mm -hmm. okay so uh i mean the premise is a little silly in parts right let's face it there's a couple things about it that aren't great the idea of putting so many high profile highly dangerous convicts together on a single transport isn't great the idea that there's no like contingency for the plane being lost doesn't make a lot of sense to me simply because there are a lot of contingencies on the plane you've got the different gates there's no weapons allowed on board i would assume those things are so the plane can't get taken over so that thought process has at least come up at some point so you'd think there'd be maybe a backup transponder somewhere hidden that wouldn't be public knowledge or something like that um I mean, to be fair, it's a 90s Jerry Bruckheimer movie. You know, Armageddon, he didn't direct it, but he produced it. That had a stupid-ass plot, too, and everybody loves that movie. Totally. You know, why would you send a bunch of drillers into space instead of training astronauts how to drill? You know, that whole thing. So it's a very typical fare from what Jerry Bruckheimer was doing in the 90s. Um, You're absolutely right. He didn't direct this either by the way that's fair well he produced both of those yes he did produce both of them and my criticisms aren't necessarily to say that i dislike the movie i think the movie is a lot of fun and i've seen this movie a bunch of times and so i think it's a fun silly ride it's a popcorn movie and like it's superficial in almost every aspect and that's fine that's what it was designed to be for me anyway but this was directed by simon west this was his first uh, uh feature film that he directed prior to this he had directed a few shorts as well as a budweiser commercial i mean the direction did never really stand stood out at any part to me as something exceptional so you know it's fine i'm I'm, but i wouldn't i'm not surprised hearing that as somebody that had only directed budweiser commercials up to that point now ray to put somebody in your corner here John Cusack hates this movie so much he apparently refuses to talk about it. Cool. (laughs) I mean, he's probably seen it. (laughs) That makes sense. Wow. Uh, I mean, I thought it was funny. No, I like John Cusack a lot, and even more so now. <laughs> Planet ever has him back. I'm going to have him, like, sign my boobs or something. You get a Con like, Air shirt and have him sign it. No. No. Oh, fine. <sighs> okay, so uh, just so that we can continue talking instead of just sighing or we're making, you know, whatever John Cusack jokes we're going to make. Um, this movie, for me, watching it as a established movie critic now for many years um it it basically comes across as a vehicle just to show off nick cage like there's several scenes of him just like working out or like hanging on with something like a perfect 90 degree angle where his bicep is bulging and he did get pretty yoked for this role i mean he was pretty pretty jacked um but watching it now i can see all these shots where it's specifically to show off Nicolas Cage's yoked physique. And I'm not sure if that was like the director 
or if that's Nick Cage going, look, man, I put a lot of work into my body. Can we just like have some flexing shots or what it was? Or if it's Jerry Bruckheimer going, we need a guy that's greased up and shiny and flexing, you know? I don't there, know, but it was wonderful. There are reports that it was a big deal for him to get into that shape. And so he would continuously work out off camera to keep up, like keep his muscles pumped up for the shots. And I, I mean, believe the, it. This is a very gifable movie, right? Like you guys know that I use a lot of gifts from this movie, specifically the one where he gets off the bus and he kind of is just like, you know, smiling at the sky with his hair waving. And then there's the wink that he does later on in the movie. Like I use those all the time. So it definitely is like the Nick Cage reel. Mm -hmm. It is. You know, there's, they set him up with so many one-liners too that were like it felt like an '80s movie, right? Because of the one-liners and like the super yoked uh, main character that in, in the lack of depth, it, it felt very like '80s to me. But in that, in those respects, yeah, this was a big time for him. Like, keep in mind, so this year he also did Face Off. The year before, '96, he did The Rock, which we covered a few weeks ago. So this was like peak nick cage right here it's true well some people would argue that right now is peak nick cage <laughs> what jujitsu and mandy and uh some of the other movies he's been jujitsu maybe not but mandy was supposedly very good i have still have yet to see it but mom and dad he's done some nice indie stuff lately i think mm. so i don't know yeah it depends which era of that's the great thing about cages you have so many different cages within one lifetime you know you have 90s cage you have like indie film cage you have ghost rider cage which is his own weird breed of nick cage but yeah that's fair that's fair so you know but nick cage of course like he's the lead and all but you also have a pretty big role from john malkovich and like, has he ever played a role where he's not some cerebral, super intelligent, portrayed person? No. Being John Malkovich. He plays, like, every role there. Yeah, that's true. It's like, and But, no but there, like he was specifically stupid a lot of the time in that, too. Like, you know, yep. that, that role, you know, that I actually really like that movie. I'd love to review that sometime. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it's that's the only one I can think of, though. He's always the same character but he's he is great i love john malkovich so you know i would watch him in anything practically the thing that like really drove me nuts is he is he's he's very intelligent he's very thorough and even he wrote on the box in the prison cell do not open and after john cusack tells the guy no don't don't touch anything the the, the idiot has to open the box that says don't open yeah, but you realize that we're in the middle of a pandemic that is getting worse because people aren't wearing a piece of fabric over their face to save other people's lives. Like, that's not that crazy, right? Yeah, I guess you're right. People are stupid. It's fair. People are stupid. People, people are stupid. In including that guy. Like, you know, it is what it is. It's believable. Fair enough. Fair that's enough. one thing that I think again, another thing that I've watched, I picked up watching this movie now is that literally everybody in this movie is like all the men, which is basically 99% of the movie is like one extreme or the other extreme. And there's nothing in the middle. You're either like a piece of shit, worst guy in the world, like wants to kill everybody or you're so far boy scouty, like that, that it's almost unbelievable how great of a person you are. And in the middle is like, 
there's nothing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they really do portray Nick Cage as like he's he's the hero, right? He's the hero in almost every movie he's ever done. And the movie starts off with sending him to prison, but they have to paint it all in such a way, right, to make him the the real good guy at the end of the day. They were like, We want Nick Cage to be on a prison plane. And someone was like, Whoa, whoa, whoa. how did he end up on a prison plane? Yeah, what did he do? What's like what's like the most heroic thing he can do? He can save his girlfriend, but kill a guy while he's doing it. Basically. Yeah. By the way, the action in the or not all the action, but the actual fights in this movie were terrible. Horrible. There were so many cuts. It was like cut, 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 cut. I was like, oh, this is painful to watch now. The one uh I can't remember the dude's name, but it's the one that's under uh, in the belly of the plane. Oh god. Where they have to like fight, like crouch down, and they that would have been like... that could have been a really cool fight scene too. Like anytime Jackie Chan and uh, was it Shanghai Nights, I think it was. He has a scene like that where he's underneath the train, and it's a very limited space, and you can do really cool creative choreography there. But yeah, the, we commented on that same fight. We we're like, this is terrible. What is going on? I mean, it it shows that you know Jackie Chan is very special, and some of the stuff we've had recently, like in Daredevil we've we've maybe gotten a little bit spoiled now because back in the 90s nobody cared about that stuff no (laughs) ray was there any character that you you liked in any real capacity john malkovich yeah cyrus virus you like the racist uh racist no no i didn't like the racism i like the delivery john malkovich had with all of his lines yeah he always is it the same delivery maybe i'm just not as perceptive to that doesn't he do that same thing with like every character though he does but for some reason it just worked for this <laughs> for and cyrus maybe it, it's because nobody else worked like diamond dog should have worked it he had a very interesting story but Ving Rhames was somehow like the absolute worst he's ever been for me. I Oof. I don't understand it. It, it was just Danny bad. Trejo, this was like actually one of his first movies that he did. And he was yoked too. That dude got jacked for this movie. But I don't think he would take that role anymore. No. He, like, he's now come he's out playing. against that kind of stuff. He likes the wholesome roles now. He's playing like grandpas. It's super yeah. cute. <laughs> it's great. Well, it goes to show you how, like, early on in your career, you a lot of the times you feel like you have to take any role that you're offered and audition for any role that's available just to get your name out there. And then, yeah, when you become on the level that he is now, right, where he is like his own brand at this point, now he can do whatever he wants to do. And that may be it. It also may be that, like, being a rapist in a movie in the 90s wasn't going to mark you. You know, now there are quite a few roles where you'll get typecast as that guy or something. Yeah, yeah. That, that's fair. There's a guy There's a guy in an episode of Star Trek Voyager who plays a Nazi. And that's like the only, I've, I've seen him in two roles and they're both Nazi roles, right? That's like a bad kinda, typecast. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, you just kind of get like stuck in that. So, I mean, it's good that, that Danny didn't. Right. Because yeah. I really like a lot of his more recent stuff. And I like him as a person, like as his persona that he puts on and, and all that. So honestly, like I I kind of 
I don't want to take anything away from Danny Trejo because he's obviously such a fun guy and a good actor, but I kind of give credit to the fact that his uh, cousin is Robert Rodriguez and puts him in all of his movies. So not only was he in, you know, From Dusk Till Dawn and... um, Oh, like some of the more like all uh the mariachi trilogy, but he was also in you know Spy Kids, <laughs> and that really helps. You yeah. know, you get a bit of both. Yeah. yeah, and his character in this movie was just like there's nothing redeemable. He's just a giant piece of shit. Like, yeah, I I hated him. You know, I've hated him every time. I love Danny Trejo, but you know, in this role, it's really easy to hate him. And uh, but I did like that John Malkovich was. He may be a piece of crap too, but at least he doesn't allow that kind of thing to happen around him. Yeah, you know, he has he has rules. Um, it is interesting. Like he loses his arm in the crash, right? His arm gets torn from his body, and I that thought that was a really cool shot. Yeah, that yeah. was shocking. Even watch rewatching it now, I had forgotten that when they pulled his body and his arm was hanging there, I was like, "Oh shit, that's crazy." <laughs> I like it because this is a rated R movie, obviously. So they easily could have just shown the gore of his arm ripping off or, or the, just the arm like hanging. But there that scene was much better without that. Right. Exactly. Like yeah. sometimes. That's why I said it was a good shot. Yeah. Like I, I was pretty impressed with that because that has true artistry behind it. And there's not a ton of the shots. <laughs> like this film was not shot with art in mind. <laughs> like, I mean, the, have you seen the breeze blowing Cameron Poe's hair? I mean, <laughs> in every scene, that's pretty art- artsy, if you ask me. And somehow, yeah, even on the plane, no breeze anywhere. Somehow, yeah, his hair is still flowing. flowing. Yeah. So one thing that bothered me on this rewatch is that the guy that's his friend, that the diabetic guy. Yeah. Um, we don't know why he was in jail. That's never unless i just missed it it's never said and so uh you know we're supposed to think that like nicholas cage is a good guy that did a, a bad thing but for the right reason but this other guy that guy could be a rapist or a murderer you know or a child molester or whatever we have no idea but just because he's uh nicholas cage's friend we don't know i think i mean we're supposed to believe in the integrity of poe Right. So we're supposed to believe whatever this guy did, it couldn't have been that bad, but it was bad enough to get him sent to this new high security prison. Yeah. And on a plane with like all the worst people in the world. But then I got wise Poe on that plane too. Right. Like that's where the disconnect starts to happen, you know? And so like him staying on to like save the guards life. That's a pretty easy sell, right? The guard is supposedly a good guy, right? This was the nineties where that's that the cops were always the heroes. Things are a lot more gray now. And so his buddy though, we don't, we don't really get those answers, but I think we're just supposed to assume. Yeah. I mean, it just, it it, it was stood out a little bit to me in this and maybe that's nitpicky too, but it was, you know, if we're supposed to root for this guy living, then Mm -hmm. give us a reason to want him to live other than, well, this character thinks he's okay. You know what I mean? Uh, he a does, throwaway line is all it would take. He had a throwaway line about how he's never going to see a parole letter. Mm-hmm. And that is not a good sign. Right. Yeah, there is that. Yeah, I forgot about that. It's a really good point, right? Because what did he do that has no chance of parole, but still okay enough for us to like think Poe should be risking his life and his freedom on this dude? Mm-hmm. 
I don't know. Maybe the dude got drummed up on some BS drug charges or something and, you know, racism in the system was involved, but none of that's ever explained, right? We have to make those, those leaps ourselves. Yeah. So that's, that's definitely fair. I had remembered Steve Buscemi's part being larger in my head because it's a very iconic character of his for me. Um, it's always really there. And then I rewatch it and he, he's, he's so minimized in this movie. It's almost unnecessary to have he's, him. He's not a cameo. He's just like right above it. Right. It's almost like, why was he like, why was that put into the movie? Because like he really only seemed like he was there for quips. He was there for quips. He has that weird, the weird trailer park scene with the girl and supposedly leaves her totally fine and ends up in Vegas. Is, is he turning over a new leaf? Is that what we're supposed to believe? No, see, at the end of the movie, I was like, <laughs> oh, great. So everything's resolved, except for this guy that butchered 30 families is now free in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Like, but he's the funny one, so it's cool. But is he fun? like? Does he make a joke anywhere in there? His character is like super serious and talking about how insanity is like living a normal life and doing a job for forty years and then dying on your own or whatever. I like his irony line, you know, when they're listening to "Sweet Home Alabama" on the plane and everything. I think that's a fun line. Yeah, yeah, that one's a good one, I guess. But but otherwise, yeah. I mean, but it's such a weird character because when he. When he leaves the plane and plays with the girl, you're supposed to at first, I guess, believe that he killed her, but then she's totally fine. He's taken the doll with him. And then he's just like gambling in Vegas, drinking a bloody Mary, like everything's cool. So like, what are we supposed to take away from his story? Yeah. there He doesn't really add anything to the movie other than Steve Buscemi is a fun actor and having him be the scariest person on the plane is kind of a joke in itself. Yeah. I think he was there for added tension. But... Yeah, and, and it did do that. That was successful. You're probably right about that. But my problem is they added a lot of people for, like, raising the bar. I think that's my biggest problem with this is, like, each act of the movie is highly disconnected. And there's not, like, Nicolas Cage's story is uh, the same throughout the whole thing. But nobody else's is. And they they introduce new characters throughout the entire film, which is a big no-no for the most part. Like, it's you don't really do it because it doesn't add anything. It just complicates things for no reason. And all of a sudden, the South American drug lord who has zero bearing on the film like the only reason they did that is so they could have yet another shootout and when you have the shootout and two plane crashes and multiple people getting caught on fire like it's it was a lot and i think that whole scene uh before they take off from learner could have been like well it was many scenes but it could have been cut down I did like the scene with Poe and the uh, older gentleman that was hiding under the car. Yeah, that was a good character establishing mm -hmm. moment. You know, I, I like that. But uh, yeah, I mean, I definitely agree that like the especially the third act is a little disconnected. Like the whole plane crashing into Vegas thing. 
seems like it was tacked on just to like have a certain number of crashes in the movie to make it a uh, you know yeah. a 90s action flick i mean the How movie was our pr- budget 101 yeah i mean it, it the movie was pretty good up until that point but it kind of went off the rails at that you know when you got freaking nicholas cage hanging off a fire truck going after cyrus while this other dude is driving and then john cusack is sneaking up behind and like trying to mm. flood the the front of the fire like <laughs> there's just so much going on it was just over the top and then nobody cares that cameron poe is stealing a police bike nope you know nope. and riding it like a crazy person through the streets of vegas it's that's the thing weird. too is like he, he goes from even defending himself is a legitimate crime that's going to get him almost a decade in prison too oh yeah take take the cruiser if you're going to try and stop a bad guy it's fine also john malkovich basically turns into rasputin at the end of the movie where he's like we're, we're gonna kill him by like chaining him to this ladder and then slamming him into the top of a tunnel well that doesn't kill him somehow he gets slung through the tunnel while still keeping his hand and arm intact and flies through that then lands on some electrical poles but that's not gonna kill him then he's gonna fall into what i don't even remember how he ended up dying didn't he fall into some water or something no, around he lands on this thing underneath a piston oh that's right and it crushes his head I don't know what the piston is doing. <laughs> yeah, it's smashing something. We don't, and why is it next to like this bridge? You I don't know? know. The well, whole thing like, is just weird. It, it started to lose me in the desert when the good guy, the Calvary, show up and voluntarily basically go into a, a, a valley, which is like military 101 type stuff right like this is in the middle of nowhere a desert and you're just going to come in through this one spot that's fortifiable it was like i don't know it was a cool scene though so i mean yes it was it was stupid but it was (laughs) it was a cool action scene and so i give it that you know at the very least but you're definitely right that yeah that's fair it's just the whole thing's just kind of it comes off a little silly because like Colmini's character the whole time is just flying off the handle. He's refusing to listen to everybody. And even after making the mistake of flying like 300 miles out of their way or whatever he said it was to track the wrong plane, he's still not listening later on in the movie. And it's just like, that's a device. This whole fucking thing is his fault anyway. Exactly. And this, that type of device is used a lot, right? Where like, if people just listened for five seconds, the movie would be over. It just, it gets a little old sometimes. And this was just another example of that, that mechanic, that device. So Rachel, you've said a lot of things that you hated about this movie. Um, but was there I anything that you hated that more? That's true. That's true. Uh, but was there anything you hated more than Nicolas Cage's accent in this movie? Oh God, it's so bad. <laughs> and But it's so bad. It's good, right? No, like uh, So when it flashes mobile alabama at the very beginning i turned to derek and i was like he's gonna have a dumbass accent isn't he and derek's like how do you even know that already and i was like just because you know nicholas cage like he loves yeah. to experiment right he he'll he'll pick a random ass voice or accent and then that's way he's gonna be the whole movie and if you're the director you either deal with that or you don't have nicholas cage yeah that's just how he is and he definitely went really far with this one so this is this guy's like first movie you know that guy was like maybe you don't sound like that and (laughs) And nick is is like no i definitely do yeah cameron poe this is what he sounds like in a really really dumb accent nicholas cage is like how about you suck my dick and he walks off 
basically. And he's wearing a wife beater at the time. Yeah. He's like, I have an Oscar. What do you have? A Budweiser commercial? <laughs> Fuck off. Yeah, I was going to play Superman, bitch. <laughs> All right, so... Uh, Oh, so I have a weird comparison and you guys will never hear this again, but this movie kind of did the return of the King where it had eight different endings <laughs> for no damn reason. And like, you'll never hear Conor be uh, compared to, any compared to Lord of the Rings, but that's so Con, So basically Con Air is the 1990s version of return of the King. Does that's that mean face saying. off as two towers? <laughs> I guess we'll find out once Rachel watches Face Off. So wait, oh. the Ro- so the Rock is the Fellowship. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, <laughs> Rachel, I'm gonna be honest with you. I think Face Off is a better movie than Con Air. So I, I, I can't, I, I can't. I'm gonna be pregnant that episode. <laughs> no, Rachel, I'm being honest. John Woo, John Woo directed it, and he does at the very least amazing action scenes so there's at least something that you can how have many look doves to. are in that movie a lot there's a lot of doves it's john Wu, and there's a lot of gun like action like john wick type stuff but i mean i think that it's worth watching for the action alone but nick cage goes way off the deep end in yeah. this movie so yeah it, it, it's even better if you're lo- if, if you're for the love of cage like we all are this I holiday saw the trailer it, it is rated slightly higher on imdb oh See? thank you i'm telling you it's a better movie i love i love con air but but i would watch face off over con air like eight out of ten times all right so we still have to talk the mandalorian so is there anything oh else God. on con air that you guys want to talk about before we bounce I want to thank Rachel for bearing with it. Uh, And I know that it was painful for you, but I hope you found something redeeming in it and feel that your life is a little more full having seen it now. Uh All right, then that's what we're going to do. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we are talking the Mandalorian chapter 14, the tragedy. So this is your spoiler warning for the Mandalorian. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. Let's do this. Let's talk The Mandalorian Chapter 14, The Tragedy. So I I think this was the shortest episode of The Mandalorian that we've had so far. Clocked in at just about 35 minutes, but people love it. 9.4 on IMDb. This is your spoiler warning. Uh, Directed by Robert Rodriguez, which is cool. Yeah. Very cool. And of course, we got the big reveal of the return of Boba Fett. Thoughts, musings, anecdotes. Uh, I didn't like it as much as the previous episode, but it definitely was a strong episode overall. Probably those two episodes are probably some of the best in the series. So, um, you know, Boba for me was never as big of an interest of a character as a lot of other Star Wars fans. I don't know why he just never really appealed to me that much. But uh it was cool seeing him be it was kind of like rogue one where we got to see vader actually like be a badass because in the original trilogy you never really got to see him be a badass you were like why is everybody scared of this guy um but then rogue one kind of fixed that uh you got to see why everybody was scared of him um but this was kind of like boba fett's version of that on a smaller scale you got to see him using his knee rockets which is something we haven't seen before you just heard about um, you got to see him use his backpack rocket, which was cool. Um, you know, you got to see him fight. And the way he fought with that gaffy stick was, as a as a fan of action, you know, I, I was loving, I, I the first time I saw a Stormtrooper armor, like, 
shatter over the ground i, I squealed a little bit being honest <laughs> I, I i was so excited to see that yeah, yeah. he was pretty impressive i and agree it's about damn time <laughs> yes it was <laughs> I'm with you there. The, the The armor shattering was super cool. I don't know that we've seen that before in Star we Wars. We haven't. That's why it was so cool because, you know, you know that their armor is basically for nothing because one laser blast and they die. And, you know, now you see getting shattered, like shattered with a gaffy stick is a better way to die if you're armored because it's more believable, right? But what's the, what's the armor even for if a blaster shot kills you, you know? But the gaffy, it's not that protective against the gaffy stick either. So it's uh I think the armor is there to hide that everybody is not the same person. I guess, but you know, that's a stupid reason to have armor. <laughs> <laughs> they waste a lot of money. That's a lot of expense. The shareholders are not gonna be happy about that. Uh I liked most of the episode. Yoda's Yoda. Grogu's bit was pretty cool. I liked that we actually kind of see him use some significant force abilities and it was clearly very powerful because mando couldn't touch him and he was getting thrown pretty far now maybe that's not just grogu maybe it's part of that that spot yeah, i think i i took that as more of like that's the spot the seer the seeing stone or seer stone or whatever yeah. it was kind of that's its thing but um it was interesting though mm-hmm. you know and the fact that like mando could bend it a little bit does that mean that like you know what does that mean is that just anybody can bend it because it's just a, an energy or is that like a force related thing you know it's it raises some questions i i just took it as his determination of of pushing in as as much as possible because like the force isn't literally like a solid wall right it's based on whatever it's emanating from you know it's still got a limit so i just figured he was just really determined sure but like when you think of like a sci-fi force field you know, it's basically made up of the same kind of thing. It's just an energy wall. And a lot of times that's portrayed as something that just, you know, is a wall essentially of energy. It can't be bent. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was interesting to me that this one could be bent. But I don't think Mando is force sensitive. I don't think he is either. But, uh, you know, it, it just raises questions as to like exactly what this shield is for. I'll probably be pretty disappointed if it turns out he is force sensitive. I don't think he is. I'm not implying that at all. No, but I've saying. seen a, I've seen a few people post stuff like that. Like they want they want him to find out that he's force sensitive, and then they train together or something like that. Uh, and I just I I don't want to see that personally. Yeah, that would be lame. That's just me though. The what are they called the 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 death troopers? No, that's not death troopers. What were dark they called? Troopers. The dark, dark troopers. Dark troopers. The death troopers were in Rogue One. Um, the Iron Men. Yeah, the iron exactly. I was gonna say Favro loves his Iron Man suits. The Iron Man that the Iron Men that were in existence before Iron Man came out. I mean, they were from a Dark Forces video game, and that came out before Iron Man. So, well, not before the character of Iron Man. No, but before the movies, before John Favreau was ever involved, and they, he didn't really change the look. It looks pretty much just like it did in the video game. So, 
I was just joking around because it was whatever, like, Derek. That don't try and that, don't try and step on, on fanboys' toes. That effect that's used is the exact same effect that was used on all the Ultron copies in Avengers. You know? I'm gonna go against the grain here and say I was actually disappointed in the Dark Troopers because you don't get to see them do shit. Like no, do you're, you're 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 bringing them up to be this badass thing that Moff Gideon is making specifically, like to protect him or do whatever he wants, and then all they do is go down to the ground, walk really slowly. And then jetpack off to a ship. I they mean, picked up a baby. Good yeah, they job. picked up a baby without crushing it. So that's pretty impressive. Right. Like I'll... I was expecting them to come down like while the wall was still up and having to like force their way through and maybe getting damaged in the process or like maybe not all of them survived. That would have been better, I think. I don't you know. That I would I would have liked to see them all survive, but that would show how powerful they are. If Mando could bend it but couldn't get into it, but then they had a way of you know piercing mm-hmm. the wall. That would have made them pretty scary without having to show them any combat or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, you could have had them like damaged in the process, like parts of the, the sure. casing you know peeled off or whatever. Um, I did like having Grogu throwing around the stormtroopers a little bit when he was all pissed off. Yeah, that was wonderful. I thought that was pretty good. It, it kind of shows what Ahsoka was worried about too, though. Like you know, he's got some darkness in him and you know um, he was just kidnapped like ahsoka went through and murdered all those people so she can suck it whoa 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 i wasn't making like a judgment on him being wrong no i, was I just... know you weren't i'm not mad at you okay just okay cool just i'm not mad sure. at anybody they're fictional characters i've been mad at fictional characters i'm mad at part of this episode <laughs> the jetpack okay so it's been established that he can control the jetpack with his arm, right? Why, when he set it down or whatever, did he not just like when he's running to go rescue the child, summon the jetpack to come over and like attach to him and take him up, you know? Because then he could have bypassed that entire thing. It, it's it's just annoying to me that they give give him a power set, you know, that he can use, and then they strip him of that for the sake of the plot in this movie. It reminds me of the Flash, where he's only fast enough you know for the for the plot to progress and i hate that yeah i I don't even know why they wanted him to take the jetpack off because like boba didn't have to take his jetpack off because it's it's establishing you know that's how they're going to set up the rest of the episode and it was just a lazy bit of plot and it never shows him actually getting the jetpack do it did he leave a giant best car jetpack on the planet i'm assuming he picks it up Right. But he probably used his controls to like just bring it to him so he didn't have to walk that far. So why didn't he just do that before? It, that whole thing bothered me quite a bit. It was just that part was just straight up lazy, you know, storytelling, I think. Yeah. yeah. It's a big part of his character and it's a big power. Like that's one of his big powers. So it's, it's frustrating. A, it's a silly thing. I mean, at least like you could have just had him leave it on the ship right or there's any number of things they could have done that would have been better i think but yeah yeah. there's a lot of problems with with the way that was handled there there was a lot of solutions to it as well and you know so his ship's destroyed which was sad right but Um, seeing slave one again was cool seeing the slave one was super cool that was great that begs some interesting questions like where like it was nobody took it when boba fett supposedly died he just had a lot of garage fees for it. You know, I don't know. He had a lot of tickets. <laughs> he, was in a, he was double parked, so they, he had a lot of tickets, but. 
You know, it's been quite a few years, so maybe he spent most of his time getting his, you know, shit back. Yeah, or maybe he just, like, really likes that model, so he went and bought a second one to replace it afterwards. And so it's he just called it the slave one so nobody would doubt it. Fair enough. That works for me. That's good enough. Having having Mando's ship destroyed, like, it's funny. Like, it's supposed to be sad, you know? But, like, he just went through all the trouble of getting it fixed. And so, like, that just seems like just a waste. (laughs) Let me tell you who I think I feel the most sorry for uh with regards to the situation the people that all contributed a ton of money to hasbro's essentially a kickstarter to get a giant razor crest uh model because now that ship is gone he's probably going to get a cooler ship if not the slave one and these people all just spent like three hundred dollars for a for a giant razor crest model giant yikes I mean, that's a fair point, but he had it for more than a season and a half. Sure, but, you know, maybe they want a $300 model of the new ship instead, but now they've already pledged, you know, that money. All I can say is welcome to the Star Trek franchise. I mean, how did I know you were going to bring Trek in for the fourth time this episode? Second time. Whatever, I haven't been counting. You should try. Right. It's not very high numbers. Uh, anything else smart. on this on this short micro episode of the Mandalorian? Uh, seeing Ming Na Wen back was good. She's great on it and everything I've seen her in, so I mm-hmm. really enjoyed having. And her cyborg stomach was really cool. I'm gonna have one of those installed. I think that thing is awesome. I'm curious how that works because I didn't get like a a great look at it. Is it replacing like the bottom half of her body or is it like an insert and her body has been put on either side? They don't really show it well enough to know exactly. Yeah. It looked like pistons moving up and down. So I'm going to Terminator. Yeah. I'm going to assume that it's just replaced the function of her stomach. Mm. And maybe she no longer has to eat or something Mm. like that. I don't know. Um I just I know in my heart of hearts that everything will be fine but i swear to god if anything happens to that stupid puppet (laughs) i will lose you will stop buying all star wars merchandise for the rest of your life i will rage on this world (laughs) wow you're gonna go full barbarian huh yeah okay now who do you think the jedi is gonna be that shows up it's tough to say, man. I mean, I'd like it to be Luke, um, but I know that that's pretty unlikely. Played by Sebastian Stan. Played by whoever. I don't care. Mark, Mark Hamill, Sebastian Stan. Either one would be fine. But I know a ton of people are predicting Ezra Bridger. Yeah, that would be cool. I don't know a lot about him because, you know, I haven't watched the kids' shows. I'm just more of a, a basic fan that doesn't really read into anything other than the movies. So... Uh, you know, I probably wouldn't appreciate it as much if he showed up, but uh, you casual. I'm just a cat, filthy casual <laughs> because I don't watch the shows on Disney XD. But um, yeah, no, I think it could be. I liked his lightsaber. That was also a blaster. I mean, I don't even know. Does he still have that? Filthy casual doesn't know anything about that kind of stuff. So it's Star Wars. He can have anything at any time. That's true. I don't know. I had five guys tell me how to pronounce the name just before the episode. As, Ezra uh, Bridger. Uh, yeah. As how did you research. think it was? Has how many? How did you think it was pronounced? 
Ozra Broderick. Well, that sounds about right. That's because you're a woman. I don't know yeah. if you knew that, but yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, common with women. Yeah, only real men. Only men really know the way to pronounce that name. So, or really anything in Star Wars. So you should probably just right. ask before From you. Now on. Yeah, yeah, try and pronounce any names. Yeah, for sure. Fantastic. <laughs> well, my guess is Obi Wan. Yeah. Because yeah. McGregor was on set, supposedly doing test footage sure, for sure, the sure. Obi Wan show in his Jedi robes, and that's all cute, but I think that's BS. Right. So you think that he's <laughs> just going to come back to life and go and get the baby as a Force ghost? Can Force ghosts physically interact with an object? I did. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to imply that the Jedi that shows up saves Grogu. I just meant they call the Jedi and the Jedi is going to show up. You think as a force ghost, Obi-Wan is going to come come to Grogu and train him? I think that that's going to be the question. I think he's going to not do it. I don't think what's the point of him even showing up because Ahsoka already said she wasn't going to do it. I don't think anyone's going to train him. Yet another backdoor pilot. Yeah. Do you you guys kind of get the feeling that they're creating like the Star Wars Magnificent Seven here. Yeah. I, I mean, I keep hearing, yeah. Every time they're like a oh, backdoor pilot, backdoor pilot, you know, Ahsoka's going to get a spinoff and then this other guy's going to get a spinoff and what's her name that's the uh, Twitter troll is going to get a spinoff. Yeah. You know, it's like, it, it does hamper it a little bit for me. Even if I like those characters, I don't want this show to just be like, arrow where it's the where where characters show up to see if they're good for everything else but at least we already know obi-wan is getting his own show so i guess we, i don't think that means we, he needs to be here though i don't think he I don't needs think... to be i just think it's easy uh why is everything in the entire star wars universe revolving around obi-wan and skywalkers why does it all have to be that way you know let, i don't you know, know let's make it a new jedi let's introduce a new jedi and then he can get a spinoff <laughs> you know and then you can have an obi-wan spinoff and ahsoka spinoff and a spinoff of this other cool jedi that you're going to introduce you know i'd watch a spinoff with the ig droid voiced by taika that you know here's the problem more interesting characters the problem here is simple if you actually get a jedi to show up and train grogu then mando has to go on on his own without him and i don't think anybody at the studio wants to write that show it's not true why does that have to be the case? Why can't the Jedi just travel with him? Obi-Wan was training Luke while they were traveling. Yeah, no, I didn't, it's not impossible, obviously. I just, you know. Well, that's what well, you said. That, changes, that was, that was the problem. Because it changes the whole dynamic of the show. Because it's a Western right now, right? That focuses on this Mandalorian. And he's like the Mando dad and everything. If you bring in a Jedi, like as a regular character, that's going to overshadow everything. That's why Ezra would be a good fit because Ezra, if he's, he was, as far as I understand it, being not if somebody who's watched the shows, I thought he was more like a rebel yeah. than a Jedi. He was not like, you know, he was like, uh, like Mara Jade in the, in the uh, expanding universe that was not a Jedi first. She he's was a much smuggler more... first and yeah. then a Jedi second. So somebody like that would fit in That's an pretty interesting easily play. with Mando. You know, there's been a lot of characters like that in the star wars canon and non-canon so i think they could bring somebody like that in and it would fit just fine it wouldn't really change the dynamic yeah no that that's fair he's much more like han 
yeah yeah exactly get, get somebody like han but that's also a jedi but he's like han first the smuggler is the most important thing and he only uses the jedi stuff when he has to you know that's more interesting to me that's fair good talk mm-hmm. ray anything you want to add no i've said the stuff that i was thinking that's good you think the show would be enhanced by Cameron Poe showing up and being a regular character? You from po Con Air? Dameron? Poe Dameron? No, I'm no. saying Cameron no, Poe. Poe Dameron. I want Cameron Poe to show up on a plane that's uh, full of <laughs> enemies of the Republic or something like that. I he, want that'd be a amazing. Donnie Yen. Yeah, series. that'd be cool. Like. I don't, it, you think he could carry his own series? I think he could do a small one, like I, the, a limited run, like the Marvel six shows. Or like, yeah, yeah, I do because I think he was an interesting character that sh- should have been a main character in a film, but unfortunately, was it, he he overshadowed like what everybody else was and that was unfortunate because you know the other characters in rogue one are great and they work really well together but he could have worked really well by himself yeah i agree with that i don't know that he could carry like a long-running show like mando Mm -hmm. but definitely a short you know short run show to kind of flesh out his character would be definitely pretty cool i would i just want to know what he was doing for like the five years before we meet him yeah i'd be on board for that yeah fair enough all right. Well, then I think this is a good place to stop, guys. It's a good Same place piece. to stop. We're only 20 minutes over. Woo! Eh. 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 Anyway, we, of course, are the Screen Heroes podcast. Next week, we are going to be talking Ghost Rider as we continue our Merry Cagemas for everybody. And we'll also talk Chapter 15 of The Mandalorian, whatever they end up calling that episode, since they don't tell us. We can be found on the Twitterverse at Screen Heroes Pod. You can find us at heroespodcast.com where you can stream the show or you can subscribe on any number of podcast apps, including Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts, as well as many, many more. You can find our link tree and get all that goodness. Drop us a review. If you review us, then we will read your review on the show and give you a shout out. We would appreciate that. It helps people find the show. So please review us if you can ray if people wanted to uh reach out to you and commiserate about why con air is terrible how can they find you i'm at siren ray on facebook instagram and twitter and ryan if people want to talk to you about why nick cage is the greatest actor to ever live how may they find you (laughs) um yeah if you want to hashtag one true god then i'll definitely uh i'll definitely (laughs) chat with you but yeah uh, uh at buster props on twitter And I'm at the Star Trek dude. Thank you for listening. We are Screen Heroes on the Heroes Podcast Network. We will catch you next week. Have a good one, everybody.